At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. In 45 minutes, we're going to have Yahoo Sports NFL and sports betting writer Frank Schwab on. We're going to preview a couple of the NFL teams this year. But as well, I want to ask him about what's going on with Greg Gard, University of Wisconsin. He is Mr. Wisconsin, Frank Schwab. So we'll get into a lot of Packers talk, of course, as well. Oh, by the way, I think the Bucks are playing in the championship. Oh, yeah, that's right, too. <laughs> uh, Amal, we left the Nuts faithful at noon Pacific on Friday, three in the east. We knew there was going to be action around the globe this weekend. Every sport except football, really, in play. We had the NHL finals going on, the Eastern Conference finals in the NBA, Europa going on, of course, a full slate of Major League Baseball, Wimbledon going on. I want to ask you, a lot of stuff happened from the time we signed off Friday till now. What do you think was the most compelling sports betting story of the weekend? Was it Friday night at the Bell Center when the Tampa Bay Lightning doubled up the Canadians 6-3 to take a commanding 3-0 lead standing on the precipice of a rare Stanley Cup final sweep and maybe a dynasty? Was it Saturday night in Atlanta when a freakless Milwaukee Bucks team finished off the Atlanta Hawks to advance to their first NBA finals since 1974? Was it Saturday at Wimbledon when Daniel Medvedev, the two-seed on the men's side, was left for dead, two sets down, to Marin Cilic, who was playing great tennis, and came back to win that match? Or maybe this morning when the Tunisian tornado, Ans Jabour, took out Gil Alexander's stepdaughter, Iga Swiatek, <laughs> to advance to the final eight? Was it the 127 pitchers that were checked for a foreign substance this weekend in Major League Baseball? Is that the, it sure seems think, like accurate I'm on the guessing, number. but I think I'm sure. I, I think, yeah, yeah, we do. Or was it the rapture in Rome? Three coins in the fountain, three lions in the Olympic Stadium. As England dispatched of the Ukraine 4 nothing. Harry Kane threw his mumbling hat into the golden boot ring. And they advanced to the semifinals against the Great Danes. What's yeah. the biggest story of the weekend for you? You know, probably I, I think it was Milwaukee going on the road and winning the game. I would have picked the other ones, but I thought that was probably the most compelling one. I love that lightning game on Friday night. Three minutes in, the game was over. Two-nothing, it was over. You know, the money came in on, in, on the Canadians here. We closed at one thirty. That was very generous of you guys. That was a gift. <laughs> you jumped on it. That was your play on Friday. I, I, I think you would. You like 134 or 135, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was over about three and a half minutes. As soon as I got a two-goal lead, yeah. I said, well, this is unbelievable. Hockey I stopped was, watching. Yeah, I knew. I mean, well, I was watching, but it was I was out and about, and I was kind of paying attention on my phone. I was like, I don't have to worry about it. You know, there's just certain games you have a feeling for. It was 2-1. But you never felt like the Canadians were a threat. I was like, I didn't think they were going to score three goals, and they four, actually did. It was a 4-2 game, all, 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 and then all of a sudden popped three goals on the end with the empty yeah. net, and it, and it ends up 6-3. I agree with you. I mean, w- Milwaukee was able to get the job done in Atlanta. Uh, a couple of friends of mine that are professional bettors reached out to me, and they said, play this Trey Young prop under yeah. 27. He, there's no way he can be healthy. I, I didn't do it just because I, I really don't play the player props, and, and you've done well. 
um, predicting them and then playing against the number that you think is a bad number. But it really wasn't even close. What do you have, five in the first half? Yeah, he was really struggling. The team was struggling. Give Milwaukee all the credit in the world. They came out and played particularly well from the outset. And very impressive. I'll tell you what was impressive to me was the English, as you alluded to, against the Ukraine. But also, I felt like Ukraine was in a little bit of trouble. Remember, they went through extra time. They, they had a difficult match in which they barely got through in the 120th or 121st minute where they scored the goal. So it was a real challenge for them just physically. It was a taxing situation. England really has done a nice job so far. The 4-0 and that three, three goals in about a 10-12-minute flurry in the second half, very impressive. Now they've got a great opportunity. They take on the Danes. And then you're at Wembley for the final against whether it's Italy or Spain. The access powers, as you like to reference. Yeah, and all access semifinal. <laughs> yeah. Not A-C-C-E-S-S, A-X-I-S, uh, Italy and Spain. Uh, Ukraine came out with a very aggressive offensive formation there. They knew they were going to have to try to score goals. I was on under two and a half. When I saw their formation, I got off it. Yeah. I accepted a small loser and bet it the other way. My big play was I had... I had a parlay between uh, Denmark and England that uh, that paid almost two to one. Yeah, Denmark, tremendous job there. I didn't realize that was that good value. I mean, five minutes in, they get the header yep. on one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Why was that a corner? I, nobody knows. <laughs> no. uh, somebody should be investigating that side uh, side official there on the lines. <laughs> excuse me, the lines person there in terms of the call, giving the corner kick, and then terrible marking on that one. So we'll see what happens here. Should be a final, uh, terrific uh, game tomorrow. And then of course on Wednesday, England with a great opportunity. My friend who had the under in that game, as soon as they called that a corner text me, this is ridiculous. Of course they're going to score here. And they did. I, I, you know, it's funny. I felt the same thing. I said, you it was know, such a bad call. I said, they're going to be able to score here and they nailed the header and right through and boom, they move on easily. Yeah. Uh, give credit to the checks. They came out with their foot on the gas pedal to start the second half and at least made the game interesting wide open yeah. in the second half. This is the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's a mall show. In 40 minutes, we're going to have Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports on to preview some of the NFL teams. Of course, we've been doing that, and we're going to continue later in the show with our preview of the AFC East. Today, we're going to look at the Patriots and what we think is the best betting opportunity. We have a different pick, uh, finally. We, we were we were aligned uh, with Miami, and we were aligned to, well, with Buffalo so far. I'll just say my pick was kind of a de facto pick based on numbers and not necessarily a pick that I, I would be ready to run to the window and just absolutely just go put a lot of money on simply because it's a long shot. My, but, well, my pick is not a long shot, but it is plus money, and I just think it's tough to lose the pick. It's probably a push with the season win totals. All right, the Milwaukee Bucks defeated the Atlanta Hawks in Game 6 in Atlanta uh, on uh, Saturday night to advance to their first NBA Finals since 1974. They'll take on the Phoenix Suns uh, tomorrow night in Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Amal, Phoenix installed a, is almost a 2-1 to favorite here for the series Five-and-a-half-point favorite in game number one with a total of 217-and-a-half. Do you have any leans early on this finals or, in particular, game number one? Uh, I do not, and particularly in game number one. I still think Milwaukee's going to find a way to win this series. Uh, Giannis's uh, health is obviously a critical factor in this one. But I, one thing I like, Mike, the fact that I don't have any particular team that I'm pulling for, this should be a very intriguing series. I'm content either way, whether it's uh, Milwaukee winning. I'd love to see it for that city and state. Obviously, been a long time in the NBA since they've had a championship, what, 71? And you're talking 50 years. And then, of course, with the uh, the Phoenix Suns, they've never won a title. Uh, or did they win one in 76? I don't remember. Did they beat Boston or not? I can't remember. No, I thought they lost to the Celtics. Uh, the, the one the game was triple overtime. overtime yeah, Gar Gar Hurt, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I would lean towards, you know, for me, either side. But I think Milwaukee wins the series. I think you can get some good value in them in terms of their opportunity based on the pricing. But if you think they're going to lose game one, maybe you wait till game two. yeah. I, I, it's a good story either way. Yeah. I agree with you for both franchises. I don't know. I'm going to have to let this series play out before I have any particular betting interest in it. But maybe the total is a little 
high in game number one, just for the fact that Phoenix off rest seems to play very well defensively. Uh, you see the totals in their games and the unders trend that way. Uh, exact results here. Uh, for the Suns to sweep, you can get $8. Suns in five plus $4. Suns in six plus $4.50. Suns in seven plus $4. A Clippers, a clip, excuse me, a Bucks sweep, um, 16 to one. Eight to one if you like Bucks in five. Bucks in six is five to one. Bucks in seven plus 550. And then do you think this series can go? If you think it can go seven games, you can get plus 220 on it. If you think it's six games or less, you would lay 167 on under. Well, you, would would you say the numbers if it goes seven games plus two twenty? Oh, yeah, over six and a half games for a series price is plus two twenty. Well, you're better off just playing a uh, hundred bucks on each side with Phoenix and Milwaukee, because even if it's Phoenix that gets there, it's at four to one and five fifty to win in seven games. Yeah, so the worst you're going to get back is three to one. Three to one, exactly, yeah, as opposed to plus two twenty. Yeah, so I, I think it's a better play there. Yeah, let's. Uh, we've been talking about this a lot, and Chris Middleton led the way for the Bucks in Game Six again. If they can pull this off, you know, those tickets were sitting at 12 to 1. Then it went to 11 to 1, 8 to 1. Now he's down, of course, uh, with Giannis's health uncertain, plus 550. I mean, no Giannis, if they can win this thing, if those two things come true, he's got to be better than even money. You think Drew Holiday could do it? Yeah, by the way, how about the beating on Saturday night taken on the under? They needed 130 points in the second half. They score 135 points. What did they have? 70 in the third quarter? 73. 73. 44 by Milwaukee, 29 by the Hawks. I mean, you know, look, I get people shoot the basketball well, but the NBA, and I I was watching this on YouTube, there is a lack of defensive effort. Guys attacking the rim. Nobody wants to get posterized. How about giving some effort? You remember what was it, Bledsoe or uh, Brandon Knight, one of the Kentucky guys? who tried to contest the DeAndre Jordan dunk. I always give them a ton of credit for making an effort. So many guys just get out of the way. I mean, it's like, come on, play. You get embarrassed, no no big deal. You're in the NBA. It's not embarrassing. Everybody else wishes they were there. Middleton talking about coming up big in big spots, and we've said he's the barometer for this team. Game six against Brooklyn, 38-10-5. Game seven against Brooklyn, 23-10-6. Game five against Atlanta, 26-13-8. And then in the closeout game, 32-4-7. On the... Phoenix side of the ledger, Chris Paul, the favorite for MVP for the finals, plus 175. Devin Booker, plus 240. DeAndre Ayton's 25 to 1. And as you've pointed out before, this is an award that's based on this series, not the entirety of the playoffs. Yeah, that's a key part of it. I think that's something you really have to factor into consideration. Middleton goes 22 for 24 at the free throw line, did a really nice job. Uh, And to me, if you look back, uh, Jacob just sent us a note here. On June 21st, Middleton was 46 to 1 at Boyd Gaming. 46 to 1. I guess they must not watch the, the Milwaukee Bucks much. Um, and one other stat before we move on to hockey. Only one player combined from either side has ever been to an NBA Finals before, and that was Jay Crowder last year with the Heat. The That's right, yeah. yeah. Amazing. You know, we talked about this being so many upsets in these finals and or in these playoffs and all the injuries and that, but we end up with a three versus a two. Yeah, it's still good. <laughs> Listen, you're still winding up with teams that are uh, prohibitive. Milwaukee had a very good regular season, but they were in a very competitive, top-heavy Eastern Conference. Yeah, let's remember, with a month to go, we didn't know who the number one seed was going to be. It was a three-way race. Absolutely, <laughs> and Phoenix was right there on the heels of the Utah Jazz. And you know what? I think it's wrong if anybody discounts either of these teams because of injuries. I get it when you say big picture, oh, they're not an elite team of all time. compared to the, Fine, no big deal. You know what? At the end of the day, it's... If you win, you've won a title. And I don't I don't think that should be discounted at all. And give them credit. They were able to persevere. And part of being great is being available and being healthy. There's sort of a storyline historically here for the Bucs. And I know the injury to Giannis is going to play a big factor. But in the NBA, we've always seen 
the teams on the rise have to overcome somebody. It takes a while to get there. Right. This isn't a sport, you know, like baseball. You can go to from worst to first and, and all. This doesn't happen in the NBA. Yeah. It's building up a franchise over years, right? And We, and saw, we the, saw it with everybody. The Pistons had to overcome the Celtics. The Bulls had to overcome the Pistons. We've seen this throughout time. And, you know, that Milwaukee's been right there for three years as being a top team in the East. And now finally they're going to get their chance in the finals. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just disappointing that Giannis is not going to be at full health. We'll see how effective he can be if he's able to go in this series. I expect him to play. Just not sure how impactful he's going to be. But look, I don't think a lot of people, myself included, gave uh, Milwaukee too much of a chance in Atlanta on Saturday night. It had nothing to do with Trey Young, whether he was going to play or not. I thought Atlanta at home with the crowd, um, I thought they were going to be ready to go. But Milwaukee from the jump, it was a wire-to-wire job. It was like Tampa at the Bell Center Friday night. The uh, the shocking part of Saturday night to me was Tim Doyle said that this would go seven, and he's usually pretty right when he talks about the NBA. Well, I'm glad you said NBA because I tried to tell Timmy not to bet that money on the Montreal Canadiens. We did. We said we'd hate to see you lose three hundred. <laughs> I'm going to double up. He still has a shot tonight if he if he doubles up. But let's talk about that game four, NHL Stanley Cup Finals at the Bell Center tonight in Montreal. So far, it's been three nothing. And think about this: five one, three one, six three. Uh, we haven't even seen a one-goal game yet here. Out of the Lightning, they've covered the puck line in every game. We talked about in Game 3 with the, the series shifting to Montreal and money coming in on the Canadians. That game closed close to 130. This game opened 155. Now we see Tampa Bay money tonight up to 167. You and I both have tickets on the Lightning. I have them at plus 140. Plus you have the great Andre Vasilevsky, Conn Smythe, at plus 350. Yeah, great opportunity. Yeah. I think he should be able to win the Conn Smythe. Braden Point hasn't scored a goal. I told you, Point will not score. In this series, I said, there's a great possibility. And, you know, going back to game seven, I told you, take the minus 165. You and I were texting before the game, and I said, hey, take Braden Point, no goal, minus 165. Montreal's a good enough team defensively. They can take out one player. But you've got too much talent across the board. This reminds me of the 93 series where we saw the Canadians take out the Kings. Kings had a great story to get there, but it was just too much. They weren't talented enough. And when you're Montreal, give them a lot of credit what they've been able to accomplish, but it was just a little bit too much. And I still think that I was fortunate in the Montreal series, Mike. If Marc-Andre Fleury doesn't make the mistake in Game 3, I don't believe this is the finals matchup. I think it would have been uh, Vegas versus uh, Tampa. It's uh, ironic he won the Vezina uh, yeah. this year. But, Lifetime uh, Achievement Award. But it was. But that mistake really turned the whole playoffs here. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think it's a whole different story, and it's probably 3-1 coming back to Vegas um, it's not to say that Montreal had no chance to win it if they lost game three, but I think Vegas was a preponderous favorite, probably a three to one favorite at that point if they had won game two. Yeah, I, I thought everything worked out well for this uh, team. And by the way, what, you know the thing to keep an eye out for tonight? It's a closeout game. Does Andre Vasilevsky get another shutout? He's done it so far. Three times. Yes. Yes. I mean, the body of work here, and, and I mean, he's given up five goals in three games. Yeah. I mean, so the body of work throughout the playoffs and then in these Stanley Cup finals uh, has absolutely. Uh, been terrific. DraftKings odds to win the Conn Smythe. Somebody must have laid a big bet on Nikita Kucherov. Because Alex, they, Alex Petrangelo made that bet. <laughs> From all the money he took on himself? <laughs> yeah, exactly. L- look, all we were sitting here. I believe he was minus 225 or minus 250 on Friday before Game 3, and Kucherov was up there with point at like close to $4. Now Kucherov's even Monday, and Vasilevsky drops down to... Minus one. Th- this is not a bad bet right now to bet it again tonight. I agree with you. It's a plus money <laughs> price. And I'll tell you another reason why I don't think Kucherov will win it. Even though he's had a terrific postseason, leads the NHL in points, uh, I think he's going to get hurt a little bit from a voting standpoint by the fact that he didn't play during the regular season. 
You're a little bit healthier. Think about this. Everyone else has gone through 56 games. You have not. You've had the benefit of sitting at home getting healthy. He was ready about a month and a half before, but because of the salary cap implications, we didn't see Tampa bring him back. And I think the National Hockey League needs to make a change to this, and I think it will eventually occur. But I think that benefit of Kucherov, if you are in a situation where you don't have to be out there taxing your body for 56 games like everyone else, the benefit of having to play these 20 games, you're a lot fresher. Yeah, they could make that change to have to be on a roster at some point, uh, a cutoff date in order to qualify for the playoffs. All right, let's continue our preview of the different NFL teams, and uh, let's stay with the AFC East here, the third team we're going to preview in the division, and we did this alphabetically, not by not by any sort of master plan. But we're going to move on now to the New England Patriots and look at their team odds and then also the individual coach and player odds. And Amal and I will come up with one bet that we like from each team. To win the Super Bowl this year, they're 33 to 1. To represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, 16 to 1. To win this division, that includes the Buffalo Bills, plus 350. Win total here, 9. Now remember, they're playing 17 games, so it's set at 9 and 8. Over heavily juiced at minus 134, under plus 110. Will they make the playoffs? Plus 144. Will they miss the playoffs? Minus 177. Well, let's start with a couple of things. In this division, you got the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. I'm taking out Buffalo out of the equation, even though they were competitive in that game in Buffalo earlier in the season, and Cam Newton fumbled late driving. Uh, I think Buffalo is going to win this division fairly comfortably. I think Miami is probably the second best team in this division, but not with some. I'm not saying that with any kind of certainty. The question mark is: Can the quarterback play improve for this team, and how impactful is the return of a lot of defensive starters that opted out in 2020 due to COVID? So that's going to be the big question mark surrounding this team, and. You know, if Belichick is as great as I've been told on this network, we're going to find out that he should be able to make the postseason this year. Well, let's move on to the individuals before we give out our picks. And we'll start with Bill Belichick, coach of the year, 14 to 1. He does have in his corner here they would be improving off. It's hard for him to win coach of the year when you're always a Super Bowl champion coming back. Cam Newton, as offensive player of the year, is only 80 to 1. And why is it not 800 to 1? I thought it was missing a zero as well. Stephon Gilmore, defensive player of the year, 33 to 1, I'm all. I don't think he'll win it for this reason. Remember, he just won it a couple of years ago. Terrific defender. In my opinion, arguably the best cornerback in the National Football League. I know Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey would have something to say about that. But, again, with this position, you've got to accumulate stats. And you've got to get interceptions. I just don't think Gilmore gets enough opportunities to get picks to where you're going to have a big enough number. Mac Jones, Offensive Rookie of the Year, is 11-1. to This makes zero sense. If Cam Newton is 80-1, to that means Cam Newton's got to play the entire season. Because his odds are not long enough, but Mac Jones at six, eleven to one, you're telling me that he at some point in time he's replacing Cam Newton. They'd love to take a parlay on that. <laughs> Christian, Christian Barmore as defensive rookie of the year, I'm all forty to one, and Ronnie Perkins defensive rookie of the year, sixty six to one. You know, Barrymore to me at uh, forty to one is not a bad play. I like Ronnie Perkins at sixty six to one. Edge rusher comes out of Oklahoma, had about thirty plus uh, tackles for loss at Oklahoma, sixteen and a half sacks in his career. A little bit undersized. Think of him like a Dwight Freeney type. Not quite as big or strong as Dwight Freeney, but he can get off the edge pretty quick. I think he can be a difference maker. He's had some success when he was at OU. Comes out early, third-round pick. I think Ronnie Perkins at 66-1 to is a pretty good look in terms of a long shot. But the reason why I like him, Mike, is if he can accumulate between 7 to 10 sacks, that would be the ideal number for an edge rusher as a rookie to be able to have an impact and become rookie of the year. Kind of similar to what we saw to Chase Young last year. And that indeed is your pick for this yeah. team. Perkins at 66 to 1. Uh, there's one more prop bet here before I get to my play. Who will be the week one quarterback? Will it be Cam minus 305, Mac Jones, the rookie, plus 225, or Jared Stidham at 20 to 1? I'm going to tell you this is a good bet on Cam Newton at minus 305 mm-hmm. because I believe, barring injury, that's the only way he's not going to get the start. And I would expect Cam to be healthy and available to go. 
he's looking to have a big bounce back year. 305 is not a bad price for him to take snap number one for the Pats. I agree with you. I thought this would be higher, closer to $5. But if it's not Cam Newton, if there is an injury, I think it's Stidham. I don't think Belichick's starting rookie quarterback here. I don't either. I think so. I think, (laughs) you know, you could take both, right? You take Cam and you can take Jared Stidham. A a little little hedge against an injury. Absolutely. And I'm with you. I think Stidham could be the guy that gets a start. I think Mac Jones will eventually find his way into the starting rotation. It's going to take a little bit of time, though, before we get there. All right, let me say this before I give you my pick. I think they'll be better defensively. Obviously, they had all the opt-outs. Uh, and you get uh, two good draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. I think Belichick is a very, very good coach. I know he relied on Brady, and that's your opinion on that side no, of the I, ball. I but... never said Brady Belichick's not a great coach. Mm-hmm. I think he's a top three coach of all time. I just say the key to that run mm-hmm. is Tom Brady. And by the way, I've never seen Bill Belichick make a single tackle or a single catch. Uh, Belichick. Uh, will improve this defense. I just don't think they're going to get better on the offensive side of the ball. That's, that and, was and my they were a very mid-pack team last year. I'm going to go under the nine wins at a plus price. So it's going to take them all 10 and 7 to beat me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the you get push, the push at 9 yeah. and 8. And yeah. I'm going to get plus 110. I'd never lay the 135 and say they're going to be 10 and 7. But let's look at it. So you start with the division, right? Yeah. I think they lose twice to Buffalo. Okay. okay. I just don't see that. I think Buffalo is that elite of a team. Miami could probably be a pick in either spot. They get Miami early in New England, uh, opening week, I believe. Let's take a look at their schedule, Jacob. Um, but let's say they split with the Dolphins. And, you know, traditionally, they've always had a hard time playing the Dolphins in Florida. Right. Uh, even with Brady. Brady had, had an under exactly. 500 record there. Um, and then best case scenario is if they beat the Jets twice. And that's not a given. Um, but let's say three and three inside the division. That means they'd have to go seven and four outside the division to beat me in order to go 10-7. and seven. And I look at their schedule here. They play the Saints. They get them at home. We don't know how the Saints are going to be. They're going to be an underdog at home to Tom Brady and the Bucks. The Cowboys at home will not be an easy game. They'll be an underdog at the Chargers for sure. They'll be an underdog to the Browns at home. They'll be an underdog to the Titans at home. Um, and then they have to play at the Colts. And then they get the Dolphins in the last week of the year on the roads. I think this team is 9-8 and eight or 8-9. Eight and nine. So either I'm going to push or win this bet at a plus price. I'm not as much in agreement with you when I saw that road schedule. Because Very of, manageable. Very because manageable. of the games they get at home. When, up next, we're going to take a look at Major League Baseball today. Welcome back into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's the Mall Shaw. 20 minutes from now, Frank Schaub's going to join the program. I'm all, we're going to get preview of some NFL teams this year that he's been writing for for Yahoo Sports. And we also want to talk a little bit of Wisconsin Badgers football and basketball. Are, are, are you going to give the on. on Wisconsin intro? Um, I did that for Mitch at our, when we had our panel here. Let me start out by saying this. Okay, there's a limited schedule of Major League Baseball games. Rob Manfred, what are you doing? You should have owned July 5th. Most people are off today because the holiday was a Sunday. Every major league team should have been playing today. We should have had games starting at 9 a.m. You would have owned today, the entire day. And no, what do we have? Half a dozen games? Uh, what a uh, joke. Uh, 11 games out of How a How could there not be matinee baseball right now, I, You know, it was funny. I looked at the schedule and I was thinking, oh, there's going to be at least probably half a dozen games In by the morning. No- noon Pacific time. 
And no, nothing goes until 3 o'clock in San Francisco on the West Coast here, 6 o'clock Eastern time. I was really surprised by this. Now, I don't know if teams had played 21 consecutive days because there is a rule mm-hmm. within the union you can't play 22 consecutive days. So it could be a potential where some teams are off. But I'm with you. There are certain days in which Major League Baseball, Memorial Day, July 4th, and Labor Day are which teams have to play. You have to have that in the, in the collective bargaining agreement. I don't care if the teams take Tuesday off. But don't give them this Monday off where you're going to have a lot more fans in attendance. The first game of the series uh, almost two weeks ago, Zach Davies combined with three relievers on a no-hitter at Chavez Ravine. And it's been a tale of two cities since then. Our second and third biggest cities in the country, L.A. and Chicago. Let's start with the L.A. Dodgers. Very impressive weekend sweep of the Nationals. A Nationals team that was red hot coming in. They win four in our nation's capital and have now won nine in a row including yesterday when Trevor Bauer couldn't start because of the suspension or administrative leave. Now they go to South Florida tonight to take on the Miami Marlins. Walker Bueller, who I've been arguing is the Dodgers' best pitcher for the last three years, 8-1. and one. Well, hold on a second. It's only an argument if somebody's objecting to it. Who's objecting? Well, Towers said he'd start Clayton Kershaw if, if in Towers one game. Towers is biased. You have to remember one thing. Him the and Clayton. Him and Clayton no, it's not. Him and Clayton are friends. Very close friends. Yeah. 8-1, uh, and one, 235 ERA, whip under one. Five to one strikeout to walk ratio. And how about the mental state of the Marlins? They played very well in Atlanta, had a seven to three lead going to the bottom of the ninth yesterday, and losing extra innings to a Max Freed pinch hit single. A pitcher having a pinch hit single to win the game. I don't know what their mental state is going to They had a lot of positive momentum if they could have won the last two games in Atlanta, but they couldn't get it done here. Of course, the Dodgers are a prohibitive favorite tonight. Uh, in South Florida. I don't want to lay the big price here, but I think these are teams going uh, in a little bit of different directions. Thought about Dodgers on the money line a little bit here, Amal, if there's going to be a play. Yeah, I would look at the Dodgers as well. Rodgers in this matchup has been very solid for this team. Uh, The total at seven, no interest in this one because I think this Dodgers offense is so dangerous. We saw them put up a nine spot against Scherzer on Friday night. Well, it was Scherzer left the game with the lead. uh, Yeah, Yeah. let me correct myself. I I meant against the Nationals there. Uh, But, Mike, you mentioned this Dodgers nine-game winning streak. Three games on the road in Miami. Three at home against the Diamondbacks, who can't win on the road, particularly in Chavez Ravine. Mm-hmm. And then three at Colorado. This team is looking they at They could a, be going into Denver with a 15-game winning streak. Absolutely. <laughs> not not just a possibility. Yeah. Uh, you know, you feel really confident about their chances there. But I think they're going to come out of these next nine games. They're going to probably have won 16 out of 18. Taylor Rogers has been very good for the Marlins. Yeah, Let's not discount that. And he's beaten a lot of aces on staffs, too, this year. Uh, he's beat Scherzer. He actually beat DeGrom in a start earlier in the year. You see the total is seven. You can get even money if you can find a seven. Dodgers around 155, 160, and uh, if you lay the run line there at even money, that's why I thought the run line was attractive. Um, the next game, Brewers at Mets uh, tonight. I, I looked at this because of the cheap price on Brandon Woodruff, and I thought it would be tempting for people to take it. Uh, you know, you look up all of a sudden, and the Brewers have the most commanding lead, and they have a seven-game lead in the NL Amazing. Center. And by the way, it's Cincinnati who's in second place. Yeah. I told you the Cubs are going to finish fourth, and we'll talk about them next. But you also uh, told me that people at Vison said the Royals are going to win that division. Yeah, every time uh, E texts me, he says, I'm all, I said, Maeda is back, and he said, yeah, against the Mall's Royals. Was his <laughs> well, the way he's suggesting or implying, like, no, I no, think the Royals. That, he yeah, knows okay, that you yeah. scoffed at 40-1. to 1. Uh, The Brewers were shut out by the lowly Pirates yesterday. I had Freddie Peralta on the run line. No shot there. Woodruff, 7-3, 187 ERA. The whip, point seven eight, even better. And the uh, walk to strike, strikeout-to-walk ratio, even a little bit better than Bueller. Cheap price. McGill, who doesn't normally pitch in a starting spot for the Mets, only a dollar thirty tonight, up to a dollar thirty-four at DraftKings. Yeah, McGill just two starts on the season yeah. so far and two appearances has gone uh, as high as five innings. Uh, but this is not a guy I would expect a ton of 
I, I think this is a very inexpensive price, as you alluded to with the Brew Crew here. It's also a, a, a total you could probably hit. Seven and a half. These Mets just don't score runs. Oh, was it interesting? Again, Cole got bombed yesterday. Four runs and three and a third, and it could have been more than that if not for an idiotic base running Listen, mistake. I told you, I told Kripsky, I told Towers, this guy is not in the same category as DeGrom and Scherzer and Kershaw. Stop with the nonsense. This guy hasn't missed a meal since he's been at UCLA, and tell him to put something on the ball because he can't pitch. Not in the same stratosphere. When we come back, we're going to find out where Amal is going and the Palm Reader playbook. Exclusive bets, daily specials, odds boosts, and the largest offer of live in-play options. BetRivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. And to make your experience even more rewarding, BetRivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time playthrough. BetRivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9 with it. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. And Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. I guess we had to do this read before Frank came on because we didn't include the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> I want to ask them about Wisconsin, including that uh, opening matchup with Penn State. Yeah. Uh, very big game yeah. in the Big Ten. And ask him, will anyone ever beat Ohio State again in football? <laughs> in the Big Ten. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the league is lacking competitive balance. It, it, it really is. <laughs> uh, welcome back into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. Amal, you broke your losing streak Friday with an easy winner at the Bell Center with uh, the with the Lightning at just minus 135. Um, you going back there tonight at 150? I am not. I thought about it, even though I thought this was actually a good play. I'm going to go Major League Baseball. I'm uh, going to go with the uh, Cincinnati Reds versus the Kansas City Royals in this matchup. Um, uh, to me, uh, this is a good spot for them as a plus-money dog on the road here. We talked about the Royals with their struggles. It'll be Gutierrez, Vladimir Gutierrez on the mound against Mike Miner. Miner's really had some issues here, and I think it's a good opportunity for Cincinnati. I looked at the reverse run line, but I said, I get a plus price already. I don't need to gamble and take a plus 165 thought about it, but uh, I like the Reds here at uh, plus 110. That's actually an important game for Cincinnati. Remember they had the winning streak, and then they went well, into San Diego and lost four. They won I mean, four in a row again now. They, they won four in a row again. They're into second place in the Central. They're above 500. They're, you know, firmly in the wild card race here. You sort of have to, you know, that NL West is going to have, you know, try to monopolize the wild card situation. But it's very interesting. I think they've established themselves as the second best team in the division. And if the Brew Crew go through a power outage like they're very capable of, they could make some noise here in the Central. The, I'm with you. I think this is a, uh, a great opportunity for this team uh, in terms of being able to make a push if Milwaukee goes down. But remember, they're going to have some head-to-head matchups, so a chance to them to gain ground. Yeah, you know, you look at their rotation, too. Uh, obviously, uh, Castillo has been better at the top. You still have Sonny Gray. Miley pitched good yesterday. Molly pitched good, of course, the Cubs. And we'll talk about that in a minute when we Boy, get Well, I thought you were going to start dropping oh, some more power, drug references. Power, <laughs> power, power outage at the small park. Well, <laughs> let's take a look at the Palm Reader playbook today. I have a couple of plays. They're both in baseball. I laid off the, the uh, hockey game as well. I'm already locked into the series there at plus 140, so I, I'll just let it play out, hopefully, and, and cash that uh, 2.8 units, two units at plus 140. Uh, Gaussman tonight. I, I, go ahead. Uh, 
Go ahead on your year. I looked at this one. I I, I thought about it because this Cardinals team continues Ooh. to struggle. They and couldn't hit. They couldn't hit in uh, Denver either. Yeah, no, they couldn't. And uh, tell you what, the Cardinals. I know you got the the guys at the corners with uh, the kid uh, who used to play in Arizona, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, and of course Nolan Arenado. But this team needs some more consistency. They're, they're just not consistent offensively. The Italian stallion was great again last night. That's funny. I had this play yesterday. I, I I gave out plays and I sent them to Jacob and Bill. So they were on the daily newsletter yeah. that we give out, but also I, I tweeted them out. I had, the, I had the Giants last night in Arizona on the run line. They got up 5 nothing, held on 5-2. Desclafani was just awesome again. He's going so deep in the game. You know, he's pitched two complete games and won eight and two-thirds last night. I, I didn't realize he's pitching that well. This team is dangerous. Gossman has been terrific. He's been the second-best starter in baseball, in my opinion, behind, obviously, uh, Max, uh, excuse me, Jacob deGrom. And it's tough for me to go against Young Young Kim tonight, but I'm going to do it here. Uh, as the Giants go home, and it's this afternoon, it's the earliest game, uh, a semi-matinee at 3.05 Pacific, 6 o'clock on the East Coast. Uh, Gaussman, whose numbers are just sensational. I'm going to lay the run and a half here. I don't want to lay $2. Do- it's $2 almost. Uh, it's, have you been down there to AT&T? That's one of the few I ballparks. I drove past it when I yeah, was down in San China Basin. Yeah. I have not been to this ballpark. I drove I, past I, it. Everybody I tells went. me it's a great place to see a game. I think Seattle is a very underrated place to watch a game. I was fortunate when I was at Safeco. It was raining, so I saw the roof close. Yeah, it, it's awesome. They got great restaurants and bars yeah. in that restaurant. I took my son when he was six months old. They made a big deal out of it. They they brought him, took pictures with the mascot, brought him down to the field. Oh, nice. It was his first Major League Baseball game. That's why they did it. Gave us a little certificate to commemorate it. So we'll lay the run and a half here, minus 105. And then I'm not impressed with the Rays. I think there's a lot of problems with the Rays. Uh, they were very lucky to beat Robbie Ray yesterday. Uh, he was in control of that game. He had a bad sixth inning. I, I don't know. I'm going to fade. The Indians are on a long losing streak. They just got swept by the Astros, although they were competitive in all those games. I'm going to take Logan Allen here in the first five. At plus 185 against Richie over the hill. I don't think this is a bad play at all. Mm-hmm. I love the price on this one. You also have an option to have a push, right? If the game mm-hmm. is tied after five, you get your money back. So good opportunity here. Better number than we're seeing for the entirety of the game at plus Correct. 170. And you alluded to it. Try with a little bit of struggling spot, but Rich Hill's a good guy to go against. Richie Hill's already gone over his average number of innings pitched in the season. And we're, we're just at July 4th, I'm all. I mean, how can he go? Is he going to go this far? And he started to see signs of that, giving up three and four earned runs in his last couple of starts. So we're going to save the Indians to break the long losing streak tonight. Yeah, this is a good chance for them to get back on track here. The one problem I have with the Rays, but they consistently find ways to win. Mike, they don't put up a ton of crooked number innings, right? They'll get that one inning where they score a three to five, and then they'll have maybe a single run or a single run along the way. But I think this is a good opportunity if you're the Cleveland Indians. But Boston now sitting four and a half games in front. We're eventually going to see Chris Sale come back into the mix. I think this team in Boston is very dangerous in the American League. We talk about Houston, talk about maybe potentially the Yankees who get more run, obviously, than the uh, Red Sox. But Boston quietly sitting at 53 and 32. I thought they had a very solid series in Oakland this weekend, too. Pitched very well, won one to nothing yesterday. I want to look at one more baseball game we didn't get a chance to hit uh, in the previous segment, and that's the Phillies and the Cubs. I talked about the tale of two cities after that Zach Davies uh, combined no-hitter, the soft tosser, Zach Davies. He goes again tonight uh, for the uh, Cubs. Bueller was the, the opposing pitcher in that game as well. Dodgers have won nine straight since that game. The Cubs have lost nine straight. Amal, they've scored five runs in their last 35 innings. Since they put up a seventh spot at Miller Park in the top of the first and were barely favored in that game and lost 15-7, to seven, they scored Five runs in three games at the small park in Cincinnati all weekend. This team can't hit. The lineup is garbage. They will finish fourth in the NL Central unless the Cardinals implode and have an injury or are not or something. This team is, I mean, they were playing so well. Oh, the Cubs, the Cubs, the Cubs. No, forget about the Cubs. 
All right, they're a favorite tonight at home with Zay- Davies. Now, Matt Moore is only making his second start of the season for the Phillies. You remember left-hander Matt Moore, a, a one-time competent pitcher in Major League Baseball. At one time, at yeah, one that time. was a long time ago. You know, to me, when you look at it, Theo Epstein left this team in November 2020 uh, before the season started. I think he pulled a Jimbo Fisher. He realized the cupboard was much uh, more bare than people realized, and he got out of Dodge. This team continues to struggle. You alluded to it. You cannot blow a seven-run lead when you score seven on the road against the division leader. Mike, what, you talk about a huge impact on where this team is going for the rest of the season. Especially when you have a tough guy like Jake Arrieta on the mound with the seven nothing. What do you think the total is on this game tonight, Amal? I would. Did so, you look at this? Uh, no, you know, to me, the I wind can't, must be blowing out, but still to 11, 11, eleven. I know. I saw it's it's definitely wind aided in this one, but uh, Zach Davies, we'll see how he can do. Eleven and a half here at DraftKings. Eleven and a half. The under wow. minus one twenty one. It must be a strong wind gust. We'll get you an update on that one on the other side. The good thing is Davies doesn't provide a lot of power on his fastballs coming <laughs> in. <laughs> you got to generate it all on your own. Up next are the nuts. It's Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. If you missed any part of our show, The Nuts, or anything on the v schedule today, don't t- forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows, including Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, My Guys in Desert, and The Lombardi Line. You can download our podcast, Beating the Book with Gil Alexander, or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got the Hardwood Handicappers with JVT, Long Shots with Brady Cannon, Wes Reynolds, and Matt Humans, Gone Racing with Brendan Gone and Jeff Motley, and, of course, the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. They're all free, F-R-E-E, and available now at vcin.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shah, and we're going on Wisconsin right now with Yahoo Sports, Frank Schaub. I know you're a football writer. You're an NFL expert, Frank, but let's start with basketball. I mean, basketball's never been hotter in the state of Wisconsin. You've got inspirational inspirational leader Greg Gard still in charge in Madison, and you've got your Milwaukee Bucks in the finals. You can get two to one, almost two to one on them if you think they can win this series, Frank. What's your outlook? It's it's weird because it completely has gone. It's this roller coaster, right? Game four, they get blown out, and Giannis is looking like, oh my goodness, he's not even going to be back for 2022. Like that, that's how bad that injury looked. But then it's like, well, there's no structural damage. He might be back. He's pushing to be back. It, it seems like he's going to play, but I have a hard time believing the Milwaukee Bucks win the NBA Finals without Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like it's just it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around. He's a, a two time MVP. You're just going to lose that guy and. What Brooke Lopez is going to keep doing is 1999 Shaq imitation. Like I don't, I don't know that that's really going to happen. I like that, you know. Just it, it be. I'm a Bucks fan. I'm from Milwaukee, obviously. But it, just as far as just taking a step back, being a, you know a better, being kind of somewhat, uh, you know, trying to be fair about this thing. I've loved the Suns all season. I think they're a great team. They're fantastic. And for me to wrap my head around the Bucks beating them without Giannis is too tough. Now. If Giannis comes back and he looks somewhat like Giannis, I don't know if we're going to get all the way there. Then, yeah, maybe things change. And maybe that's a good reason to bet the Bucks now because, like I said, he's been pushing to play. He thinks he can. But I don't know. I, without Giannis, it's just it's, it's, a, it's a bridge too far for me to, to go ahead and pick him. 
Frank, we'll get to the NFL in just a second. I got to ask you one more question since you're a Bucks fan. Have you ever seen a player who's the second best or maybe third best on a team? You can argue Middleton or Holiday, whichever your preference is. But Mike and I talk about this all the time, how Middleton performances, whether you know whether uh, Milwaukee won or lost, he has a great game, they win. If he plays poorly, they lose. I can't remember the second guy on a team being more instrumental to the result of a team than Middleton. I mean, yeah, I, I... I'm trying to think off the top of my head, and I can't either because you know you can you can say something like, "Oh, well, what about Kobe when you know Shaq and Kobe were there?" Well, Kobe always played well. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't you know it wasn't one of those. He wasn't a streaky guy really, and and so you might be right. And yeah, you, because Middleton's are closer. I mean, we you know what you're getting out of Giannis pretty much every single game. You know exactly how he's going to play. He's this this kind of unique unicorn style play. He goes out there, he does his thing, and he can kind of set your watch by it. And then you get to you know once. You know, you figure out if Middleton shots are falling. That that determines how well the Bucks do. And you know, Holiday is kind of the same as uh, almost Giannis as far as you can kind of depend on him. You know, he's going to play. He's a dog on defense. He's going to get. You know, he's going to get his shots here and there. But that's not really. He's not looking for offense like Chris is. But sometimes Middleton brings the blowtorch, and and the Bucks are going to win. I mean, even without Giannis. So yeah, you're right. And. I don't know that they that the Suns match up great against him. I really don't, but it's just going to depend on whether his shot's falling early. He seems to be one of those guys who, first couple shots fall, he just gets confidence and rolls from there. We're talking with Frank Schwab, of course, from Yahoo Sports. You can find him on Twitter, at Yahoo Schwab. Their NFL writer also uh, writes about sports betting. I want to start with the Atlanta Falcons uh, in the NFL. You wrote a great article about should they have traded Matt Ryan, too. Now, Amal and I debate this. This wasn't a trade. I mean, the Titans got Julio Jones, but the Falcons got Arthur Smith. And I think Arthur Smith is, is an undersold factor when handicapping this year's teams and maybe into the future. I mean, Arthur Smith was a Tannehill whisperer. Tannehill with Smith compared to Tannehill without Smith is night and day. I wish they'd have kept Julio because I wish they'd have had all their weapons when Arthur Smith gets yeah. to Atlanta to coach Matt Ryan. But who who's benefited more from this exchange of Julio going to the Titans and Arthur Smith going to the Falcons? Oh, that's a great question. I, I think the only question I have with Arthur Smith, and I do think he's a he's a very smart guy, uh, he's a good offensive mind, all that kind of stuff. But when you go from Derrick Henry to Mike Davis, and I know that you know the stat people, and I'm a stat guy, they, they say that play action passing is not correlated to how good your running game is. It just works. Period. And that's why teams should do it more. I have a just tough time believing, just as a guy watching football, that having Derrick Henry in your backfield doesn't help your play action passing. Like that, that has to help, right? And the Falcons don't have that kind of running game. And and maybe it's hard to say, like, oh, a running back made Arthur Smith look like a genius. But in this case, it might be true. Derrick Henry is so instrumental to what they did as an offense that I wonder, you know, if Atlanta doesn't have a, a you know, that threat in our backfield, is their play action passing going to be that good? And especially now that you go from, you know, Julio to, you know, Cal Pitts is probably going to be a great player, but the, the history of rookie tight ends isn't that good. So if their offense takes a step back, it wouldn't surprise me. It really wouldn't. As much as I do like Arthur Smith, there were reasons for him to succeed in Tennessee that aren't necessarily in place in Atlanta. And, you know, but I, I don't really – Love it. Tennessee losing him. I think we've kind of underrated that. I'm big on the Colts this year. I think the Colts are going to be really, really good. I'm a believer in Frank Reich. I think he could fix Carson Wentz. But part of that, too, is I think Tennessee takes a step back. I really, even with Julio Jones, and, and that does help them. I, of course, he's a Hall of Fame guy. But with, you know, 
once you lose your offensive coordinator like that, it, it's not necessarily a, a sure thing that Tannehill's going to have the same success, that that anybody's going to have the same success in that offense. So I think this is, if it's if you could tell me it's a lose-lose, I might buy it. I really might because I, I don't think really you know, either team might be uh, better off for it. Colts and Titans both around uh, plus 105-110 to win the AFC South. Frank likes the Colts. Let me ask you this. Frank, you think that getting Carson Wentz is an upgrade over what Phillip Rivers was last year. I do. And I might be the last person on the planet that really truly believes in Carson Wentz. And I get that. I, I he was terrible last year. He, he was a shell of himself. But when we, when I look at Carson Wentz, I've always been a believer in him. I like him coming out of college. Like him, everybody liked him, you know, second year. I look at that as a Doug Peterson fail. I, I think that, Frank Reich was the brains behind that operation in 2017. Nothing against Peterson. He won his ring. He had a great year. He's the Mark Rippon of coaching where he had one great year you can't deny and nothing else in his resume matches up with it. And I just trust Frank Reich and that enti- like he's going to have a great offensive line in front of him. He's got a great running game with Jonathan Taylor. They got a really, really good defense. That's an organization to me that's on solid ground. I think Reich is a top five coach. I think he turns Wentz around right away because you know, go back and look at 2019 wasn't that long ago, and Wentz had some good games with a bad supporting cast, bad like they were beat up with injuries, bad coaching staff, dysfunctional organization. He still played well at times. It's only last year that it totally fell apart, and I think Wentz can be fixed. I really do. And if if Wentz is, I think he's never going to be 2017 again. I think that ship has sailed. But if he's a good quarterback, I think he is better than Philip Rivers. I really do. I, there were times last year where it was like, wow, Philip Rivers is really near the end. I remember, especially the Browns game, I think it was, where he just really looked bad. But I think that coaching staff got the most out of him, and I think they're going to get the most out of Carson Wentz. I believe. I do. I, I might look foolish in a couple months when Wentz is turning the ball over every other play like he did last year. I truly believe in Frank Reich and his ability to, to get the most out of Wentz. He did it once before. I think he's going to do it again, and that's why I'm really high on the Colts. I, I tend to agree with you, particularly your assessment of Carson Wentz and the Colts as a whole. I like their – if Carson Wentz can stay healthy, that's my big question mark with him. I want to go to his former team, Frank. Jalen Hurts under center. They get Devontae Smith out of Alabama. I still like Jalen Waddle a little bit more, even though Smith won the Heisman. But I am not convinced Jalen Hurts is the man long-term for this organization. Do you believe he's going to be the guy for them? No, but they had to try him. Look, that pick, when they picked him in the second round, it was just weird. It was bad. It was just a a dumb pick. It was one of those not-quite-Jordan-Love-level bad, but it was bad. It just made no sense. But now that you have, you've invested. You've, You've invested in the guy. You have him. To not try him for a full year would be foolish, I think. I think, especially go back to that Arizona game last year, he looked really, really good. And he was in a tough spot. He's a second-round rookie taking over for a failed quarterback who was once the face of the franchise. He was in a tough spot. I thought he did well enough. Look, he wasn't accurate enough. He wasn't consistent enough. But go back to that Arizona game. Watch what he did. And that alone says, hey, you know what? We got this guy. We need to see what we got. We, let, let's give him a year. If he doesn't work out, we're going to be picking on the top five anyway. Let's just give him this time to see if he can develop, to see if he can you know, play better with a better coaching staff. I like the move to just say, Jalen Hurts is our guy. Let's give him a year. Uh, no matter how they got to that point, I think it was Jeffrey Lurie who was kind of pushing it, but I think that was the right call. But do I believe in him? Do I, Would I stand on a table and say, that guy's going to be a top 12 quarterback in the NFL? Probably not. I mean, he does some things that the NFL has now embraced, a uh, mobile guy, dual threat guy. I do like some of the things he brings to the table. I'm not sold on him. 
but I do think it was the right call for the Eagles. I really do. I, I think it, once you've made the investment, just like Jordan Love, if, if Aaron Rodgers moves on, I think you got to try Jordan Love. They, they made the investment. They believed in him once upon a time. See what you got. And I think to, in a different uh, sense, the, the Eagles did, did that with Hurts, and I think it was the right, right move. Frank, we got about a minute left. I don't want to leave you without asking about this game September 4th at Camp Randall. Penn State at Wisconsin in the opener. I, uh, I I I want to like Wisconsin, but their offense was so bad last year. At the end of the year, it was, it was tough to watch because I've been used to, look, I went to Wisconsin in the late 90s, same years as Ron Dane. I'm used to them handing the ball off to somebody who's going to run for 1,500 yards, whether it's Monte Ball or even back with John Clay, Anthony Davis way back. I, they always have had that guy, and I don't know that they have that guy. It, it's weird to, to be like, well, it's all on Graham Mertz's shoulders because he, he – he is good. He's highly touted, but is he the guy? I don't know. I, 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 I probably take Penn State in the points. I don't really believe in Wisconsin yet, but I'm a pessimistic fan. I just told you I don't think the Bucks are winning the finals. So hey, what, what could you get out of me? By, by the way, to Frank's point, worst moment of my uh, sporting career for the Buckeyes: 2003 Camp Randall Stadium when uh, Lee Evans beat Chris Gamble for about 80 yards to win that game, yeah. 17 to 10. I was at that game, never Matt going Shavered, back. Matt Shaver, Matt Shaver, yeah. It was <laughs> oh, it was it was a day. It was a day. I'll tell Thanks you. Thanks for the time, Frank. We always appreciate it. No doubt, fellas. I did. I appreciate it. Great job on the graphics today, guys. Especially the Palms points. Thanks, John Brown. He had no escape plan at Harper's Ferry, but he got this done. Stay tuned to Vison. Up next, betting across America. <laughs> 